0: Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians, to the book of Colossians. Um, and, and really, we're going to be in most of Colossians today. So, uh, yeah, just go ahead and go there. If you are, uh, we are taking a, a pause from our study of Exodus, but don't worry, uh, after Easter, we'll be back to that again. Uh, if you are following along in our Bible reading plan, then uh, then you may have seen one of these. But uh, if you have not picked up one of these, they are out on the table uh, right out this way and uh, out, out the door. Uh, it's our Bible reading plan that gives us one chapter in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament to read each day. And uh, so if you are on that plan, then we, are, we happen to be three chapters into Colossians already. Um, and so uh, it, it's... Pretty fitting that we are in this this book uh, today. Uh, Today is this first day of Holy Week. You've heard it mentioned now a couple different times that it is Palm Sunday. Uh, The time, the the week leading up to Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I I want to tell you something. uh, like. I'm sure you're so stunned to know that I'm excited about next week, right? Uh, I'm excited about this day, this whole week for, for me. Like, this is it. And I'm I'm so thrilled to, to be able to come, like, knowing what next week is, that we get to come back again to celebrate, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I, I want to tell you something. Guess what? We do that every single Sunday. Like, that's why we meet on Sunday, in fact. The reason we meet on Sunday is because of resurrection. And so it's like, uh, this is good news. We're about to be reminded today in this text as, uh, about how Christ's death on the cross is the victory we needed to conquer hell and sin and death. But as a heads up, next week, when we look to what happened that first Easter, we will be reminded that that victory accomplished on the cross is proven in an empty grave. So here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Is everybody listening? Okay, three of you are, so we'll go ahead. Invite everyone in your circle to be a part of what's happening at church next week. We, as was mentioned, we have services, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, 11. Uh, you can use social media posts. You can like, fill the, your feed with invitations uh, of inviting people, those, those random people who follow you that you don't really remember from your, like 30 years ago in high school that somehow found you, right? Those people, invite them. They use text messages, emails, knock on your neighbor's door, put a sticky note on your coworker's desk. Look for every way you can and say, Will you be here with me? In fact, like make room for them. Like scoot over from your standard seat and let someone else sit by you. Like, uh, I, I, I want to be able to say that about every Sunday, but I do realize that some people are thinking wonder where we'll go to church on Easter. Like it's, it's that time of year, and so we're going to go somewhere on this certain day. And so you do your part to make sure they know that if they want to, they have a spot here. So with, with that being said, there are two particular ways uh, that f- kind of theological ways that we see the cross one is christ being substitutionary atonement right that he is the one that jesus christ death on the cross was in our place taking our punishment and by by one of two ways what i mean is uh Both of these ways are right. So substitutionary atonement is necessary for us as we look to Jesus on the cross. To understand that he was taking a place for us in our punishment. The second actually comes from a Latin phrase called uh, Christus victor. So Christ as victorious. That is why the way we're going to kind of spend this Holy Week looking at Christ as our as the, the victor. Today, we will be seeing that the cross is victory for us because it will display Christ as this victorious one, the, the winner of the prize. This Friday night, we'll be, we will be reminded of this in a meaningful way, through the Lord's Supper, through singing, scripture reading. And next Sunday, we will culminate this through the reality that his resurrection is a demonstration of victory. So, let us consider all that Jesus has conquered. So again, we're going to find this. In the book of Colossians, this is different than maybe I normally do, especially breaking away from what we've been doing in Exodus, just kind of walking through one portion of text at a time. So instead, we're going to look to Colossians as kind of a guide for us to see uh, as Paul then reflects back as to what happened in the what is what is the gospel. We're going to see this reflection as he as he's writing to the church in Colossae, saying, "Here's what you've already won." Here's what's been, what, the victory that's already been won for you. So first, we have victory over hell. So again, go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now you might think, okay, what like in, in simplest terms, there is hell, like the place that's not heaven, the afterlife place but but I would first point out that that we have victory over hell on earth, and what I, what I mean by that is not the literal hell on earth, but instead this surrounding darkness, as it's described, the domain of darkness that prevails through our everyday living. Right? We we talk about that. The world around us is a dark place. And that in some some ways, sometimes, it can even feel dark to us, not just because it's cloudy outside or because it's nighttime, but just there's a there's a presence of evil or of wickedness uh, around us in the world, and so it can feel that way, and so it's helpful for us to see that we have, that he has delivered us from the domain, from the presence of darkness in this way, but don't get me wrong, it's not just hell on earth, it is that he has conquered hell for eternity the actual literal hell. Yes, this place of never ending torment, suffering, absent from the presence of God, without any glimpse of grace, it's real. And I I don't know how to describe it more uh, with with greater uh, intensity than scripture does, Because scripture does such a a tremendous job of trying to help us see the torment of eternity apart from Christ. Even someone has once said, uh, describing whether or not hell is real or not, or, or that it, you would really experience fire, you would really experience suffering in this way or, or that way as it's described. And, and in every case, I think it's helpful for us to know that even if, which I believe it's literal, by the way, but even if it weren't, and it's just allegory, That's always used to describe something that's so significant you don't have the words for. So even if it's not fire, it's something so painful that it's worse than fire. Even if it's not literal darkness, it's something so dark that we've never even seen something that dark. Does that make sense? So so even if, even if it's not literal, then it's worse than what it is what it's described as. And guess what? This tells us that we have victory, that Christ has given us victory over that hell. And we we don't have to go there. We don't have to experience that. In fact, I want to pause right now because I I want you to hear this. You are here today you do not have to experience an everlasting eternity without Christ in this place called hell. That is that terrible. There is, there is a, a way for you to get out. Some of you are here today. You just showed up with a friend. You came to watch a baptism. You came, uh, maybe it's because you come every week, but you came and you, you've never turned your life over to Christ. And I'm telling you, today can be that day. Today could be the day of salvation for you, that you are rescued, that you can have victory over hell. And so I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want you to think you got to wait until I conclude the sermon for you to be able to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. Right now, right where you sit, you can trust in Him. Call out to God. Said, I need you. I don't want to go to that place. I need you to rescue me. And I want to I stop going my way. I want to stop trying to do it on my own. And I'm going to lean in on your only way and follow after you. Right, right where you are. We can have victory over hell because Jesus has victory over hell. But we can also, we can have victory over the flesh because Jesus has victory over the flesh. Continue with me, and still in chapter 1, but now in verse 19. Speaking of Jesus, Paul writes, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body a flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which, have, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's aff- afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church which i became a minister according to the stewardship from from god that was given to me for you to make the word of god fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints to them god chose to make known how great among the gentiles are the riches of the glory of his this majesty which is christ in you the hope of glory him jesus we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in christ for this, I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. I want you to to catch, for just a moment, what all Christ is victorious over in the flesh, what He has conquered for us by conquering the flesh. In that, right, even in this text, we have. We have victory over selfishness. In him, the fullness of God is pleased to dwell through him, to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. You were alienated. This This was how we once were. We were alienated, hostile in mind. We were doing evil deeds. But he's reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. You see, all sin is rooted in ultimately selfishness and pride. I mean, like if you think about all the things you choose to do wrong, you know, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we speak, like sin is doing what you want to do regardless of what the command is. Right? That that's, sounds pretty definitive of what selfishness is. I want to go my way. I want to do it the way I think is best. I think I know better. And yet, in this victory, given to us, we are made blameless and above reproach before a holy God. I fear that we don't see the miracle in that often enough. That we were were one, like, we were alienated hostile we were separated and yet because of his death and resurrection because of the way what Christ did for us we we are reconciled to him we who are described right is evil doing evil and you might think chad i didn't, i wasn't really doing that much evil well scripture has already Debunked that theory. Because if you even just sin in any way, it's as though you've committed all of the sins. You've broken the whole law. You don't just like get to break a little piece off the end. If it's broken, it's broken. If you are not quite convinced uh, on the last thing in regard that you, you should be saved from hell, that you don't want hell for eternity, I hope that you would hear this. What you're being offered to you is better than whatever your life is now. What is being offered to you is that you could be in the presence of the almighty God. That you can have relationship with the creator and sustainer of the universe. That that's being offered to you. That you could know him and be known by him. That's what's being given to you. And you say, oh, death is going to happen one day. I'm not that worried about that. You should worry about it. But even if you're not, then you should be concerned about your day today. At this day, because without Christ, you are separated from Christ. Without your trust in him, without your faith in him, without accepting what his death did on the cross, you are without him. You are alienated, hostile to him. But no, you you can have victory over your selfishness. And... You can have victory over sufferings. Look at verse, uh, because I want you to listen carefully to this, because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You might be thinking, Chad, this does not say I will not have sufferings. And I just thought you said that we will have victory over sufferings. You would be correct. Instead of victory over sufferings, that you won't have them, understand that you will view your your sufferings differently, maybe through a different lens, that you could even echo the words of Paul, you rejoice in your sufferings. Why would Paul not just say that he rejoices, but why would Paul say seem to think that there's something lacking in Christ's afflictions? Did you notice that? Verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. That, that seems to seem like his, his affliction, his death on the cross was insufficient. But certainly it can't mean that. Paul's already told us of how sufficient his cross was, his death was. So it can't mean that. Well, I I think that Jesus actually spoke to this in the Gospel of Mark, and we see it again in the book of the Revelation. Jesus says, there is more suffering to come. He says, like, what I'm going to go through is, is going to be sufficient for me. But there's more coming for you. Jesus is not saying that, His death on the cross is insufficient and certainly neither is Paul. They are both saying that while Jesus suffered on the cross for our sin, there is still more suffering for Christ to come. Sufferings become something you rejoice in because you know they are momentary. They're temporary. You know how... They're even, even in this room. Some of you are thinking, I just don't know how they're making it through that, that cancer treatment. How are, they, how are they making it through that difficult family situation? How is that other person going through this job scenario or that, whatever the thing is, fill in the blank, how are, how are they making it? How are those people surviving it? Well, I, I, would, I would argue that they're not making it because they pull themselves up by their bootstraps and are tougher than you are and braver than you are or they believe harder than you do. They are making it not because they count backward from 10 and do breathing techniques, although they may be helpful. They, they still struggle. But according to this, I believe that followers of Christ rightly struggle with his energy that he powerfully works within them. As many of you know, this past week there was yet another school shooting. Needless suffering for sure. Today, there will be families, teachers, students, who choose to gather together with their church family, some even in the very building where that shooting took place. they will meet there to sing to God and to look to His Word. How will they do that? How will they make it to that place in that mindset today? His work within them. His work. How are, how are we here today in grief and sorrow and sadness and heartache? His work in us. As, as we and as they in Nashville work to fill up what is lacking in Christ's affliction, they suffer to demonstrate the hope of Glory, the mystery of Christ that is to be revealed. That's why we rejoice in suffering. That's how we can have victory through suffering. Because we say, Jesus is worth it. We say, Jesus is enough in us. Jesus is giving us enough that we can make it through the horror. So may we embrace this victory over the flesh, that we might also enjoy victory over death. Go to chapter 2. In verse 11, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, does this, does this mean that Christians don't experience physical death? No. We, we know that. It means that Christians don't experience spiritual as such, we've been raised to walk in newness of life, which is exactly what we see in baptism. How thankful was I to know that baptism was scheduled for today and we got to, to see that picture before us. So thankful to, to hear and see the testimony that this morning, our new sister in Christ. I want to I even ask you this question. Have you ever been baptized? as a reflection of Christ's work in you? Maybe you've been disobeying God in that. Maybe maybe you see testimonies and watch people be baptized, and regularly that happens in front of you, and and you regularly think, I've never done that. Maybe I'm a little too old, or I'm a little too embarrassed. What will people think? Let me tell you what, well, I'll tell you what I'll think, and I'll tell you what the rest of us should think. Praise God. That's what we'll think. We will think, praise God, that you are following through with obedience. That you are saying, yes, this is what Christ has done in me. I've conquered death. I've conquered hell. I've been raised to walk in newness of life. And so I'm letting everybody know. That's what we'll think. Who cares what everybody thinks, but that's what we'll think. That's what you should be thinking. So be obedient. Like today, set, like decide today, I'm going to follow through with believer's baptism because I am a follower of his. I'm going to say, I, I want the world to know I'm his. I'm declaring this today. Dear Christian, you have victory over death. Yes, while you should expect to die a physical death, you should not fear it because our victory over spiritual death. I would, I would echo Jonathan Edwards who says, you should think of death often so that you cherish the life you have. You have been given victory over, over death. And as such, you have been given victory over life. Okay, so go to chapter 3, verse 1 Victory over life. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't know if you caught the significance of this, but if you want to have victory over life, you want to win in your day-to-day life, put sin to death. Verse 5, right? Put to death what is earthly, the way in you, what you used to be. Because Jesus conquered sin for you in his death on the cross, you should honor him by putting sin to death in your own life. I want you to know that I say those words just as much preaching to myself as I am preaching to you. You and I far too often live as though we have no other choice but to sin. In fact, we sometimes even maybe like, Casually kind of celebrate sin with phrases like, well, I'm just human, so it is what it is. Like is that is that like, like that's a okay reason to continue defaming the name of God? We make excuses, right? By calling sin just our personality. We, we say things well, like, "I have a short temper, but it's just my personality. I am rude, but that's kind of who I am. I'm just blunt person. I'm prideful, but it's not that bad. I'm really just confident. I let lustful thoughts linger, but hey, what man doesn't? I'm over my head in debt." and not, not following through as I ought to, but I mean, really, it's just, it's just a part of the culture that we live in. Put that sin to death. Murder it. Kill it. Like, put, like, be done with it today. What is it? What is it right now in your life that you know you need to put to death? Stop it. Quit making excuses, justifications, and allowances, and simply stop. If you need accountability for that, your church is here for you. We we want to, to stand there beside you, help you. Seriously. Like, we will connect you with someone that will help you in this way. Stop your affair. Stop Pornography, stop. Gossip, stop. Gluttony, stop. Self-loathing, stop. Self-gratification, stop. Greed, stop. Pride, stop. Disobedience, stop. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Today, because of what Christ has done for you on the cross, put sin to death. Confess it, even right now, Christ has already conquered it on the cross. Why would you take it off the cross? So, when you have put sin to death, put on life. Put on life. Consider what Paul says are the ways in which you should put on life, right? Put on then, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is how we get described. We went from what? We went from like set apart, uh, like not in holiness, but separated. We we went from hostile and now we're described as holy and beloved. That's what we get to put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. These are the attributes of that are given to those of us who are followers of Christ. When we put on life, we put on attributes, we put on new character, we put on a new person, being with one another, like bearing with one another. When one has a complaint, that we actually forgive them in the same way that Christ forgave us, that we put on love that leads to harmony and unity. we put on peace, let it rule our hearts, We're put on thankfulness. We put on the the word of Christ that dwells in us. We we sing and teach and admonish. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. And he goes on, like elaborates and just makes sure we covered it all. He says, so whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We, We do it all with him in mind. We put on we put on a new self so that everything we do is for him. What a list. This is what we should look like. We should be characterized by those attributes. He goes on to describe our households. Wives submit to your husbands as as it is fitting in the Lord, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the not by way of eye servants as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Our houses, our our day-to-day life, our work should look different. Students, your work should look different. You might not get all A's, but you should look like you're giving your best. It should appear, not, not, not should just look like it, you should actually be giving your best, right? Like your professors and your teachers need to think, wow, they're, they're really working as though they're working. Not for me, not for my approval, not for my A+, but for the glory of God, for the honor of Christ. That's how we should work. Employees, we should be thinking that way. That the, way in which we, the way in which we work would be honoring to Christ, Husbands, wives, the way you love your spouse, the way you serve your spouse should be this way. Our prayer should look different. Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to which to declare the mystery of a Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. This is like a whole sermon in itself, and so I don't get to do that right now, but um, pray and pray often. In fact, continue steadfastly in prayer. I'm giving you a heads up now. Not to get you so you have an excuse to miss it, but uh, April 16th, April 23rd, and April 30th, I'm calling us together as a church to pray. Those three Sunday nights, we have elders have been praying about this. As a staff, we've been praying towards this. And so April 16th, April 23rd, April 30th, uh, coming up, those Sunday nights at 5 o'clock, we will gather together to plead with God so I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to be here for those nights of prayer and worship. Just this weekend, our elders were meeting and we were discussing how important and significant prayer is in the life of the church. And that we want to raise our expectations. So, so join us, not just on those three nights, but join us as a part of the body of Christ that we would call out to God saying, we need you. Okay. Last piece conduct verse chapter 4 verse 5 walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person the reason we should have a conduct that in the outside looks different Is so that the world that is so dark, that is so hostile, would look at us and see what Christ has conquered. See, it's not that you have conquered hell, that you have conquered sin, that you have conquered death. It's that it it was conquered for you because you couldn't conquer it yourself. I couldn't conquer it myself. So I needed him, and I need him every single day. Because Jesus has victory, you can have victory. So, as we respond in just a moment, I want to offer one more time that you would accept the victory as your salvation. Would you turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus today? In fact, in, in just a moment, there's, we're going to all stand, we'll sing a song, and some of you who are pondering that in your head, or maybe even you are deciding, yes, you want to, to do that, and you have questions about it, or you just, you just want to pray, you want help, right here to my left... There's a door and there will be people standing right beside that door that would love to talk with you and pray with you. So you can walk down the aisle, you can walk across here and and they just want to pray with you, pray for you, hear you, help answer questions, point you to the word. Some of you need to come forward and say, I want to be baptized. And And I realize that that can be scary and dangerous. And so what I wanna do right now is ask you to take a deep breath and be obedient. Obedience is worth it. Okay, God, I'll do what you say. Even some, sometimes we need physical movement in ourself to be even like to demonstrate what we what we really mean to God, right? We do that when we stand and sing or when we lift up our hands and praise or we just say like, oh, this is just, we, we need to display that. And so one thing I want to offer to you is, is at these steps, maybe, maybe you heard that putting sin to death reminder and there's something, anything that you know you need to put to death maybe you would just come to these steps and kneel and say, God, I'm putting it to death. I'm I'm laying it at your feet because you've already conquered it. It's already been nailed to the cross. So I'm giving it up. I'm done. Maybe, Maybe as we say, upon him, you would say, Upon him, upon you, you've taken it for me. You've conquered the grave. Would you stand with me as we respond?